All right. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Blood, Sweat, and Beers. Today, Tammy and I are lucky enough to have my teammate, honestly, one of the most genuine human beings I have ever met, and my favorite environmentalist, Elena Olson. Oh, yes. I'm so happy to be here with Kershey. She's my favorite bowling ball. Um <laughs> And I love how it's called blood, sweat, and beers because I think we forget about that last one sometimes in our environment, but it's so like culturally a part of rugby. Um, great name. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tammy came up with it, but uh, Lo said the same thing. She was like, it's a pretty sweet podcast name. Like, it's very, very, very <laughs> on par for uh, like the rugby community, especially like club rugby and like rugby fans. So. Yeah. Why cry yeah. when you can have a beer? Why cry? When exactly. you, can have a beer? you know what? That is such a great tagline, actually. I think we should add that under the logo. <laughs> I'm going to make a note of it right now. Tammy, that can go on the back of the t-shirts. I'm about to do it. <laughs> that was a pretty good line, yeah. Um, yeah, so Elena, how are you feeling? We're, we're getting close to the summer. You know, we're in a heavy training block. How are you feeling? Well, I just, everything, you know, I think you feel every emotion you think that you know, that we have a word for in the English language. I feel like you feel that. Um, just depends what time of day you ask. So, you know, last night I was like out of out of my mind. I was just like, I can't move. I can't think like I'm just gonna buy to my roommates I'm gonna go to my bed but um today um you know you feel good you wake up you're like okay I'm ready let's let's go out there let's get better um but it's like scary because it's oh, like yeah. now's the time yeah it's been you know however long now's the time but then you're also like trying to cherish the time yes exactly yeah and you're grateful it's it's just a whirlwind of emotions all at one time. Yeah, I think too, just like the nature of the environment and it's just like everything, like you said, like you feel every emotion and I think it's just heightened to a state that like it's hard to explain. So it's like, I feel like it's not just like I feel like nervous or scared. It's like I when I feel nervous, I'm like, I'm incredibly nervous or like when <laughs> I'm like, when I'm like, you know, feeling tired. It's like, no, I'm incredibly tired. Like, it's not just like we're light feeling them. It's like we're very much feeling like the depths of every emotion that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Happiness, <laughs> sadness, um, hunger. That's not an emotion, but that one definitely comes. That through. is fully an emotion. I'll take that as an emotion. I can imagine. <laughs> it's absolutely an emotion. I was thinking the other day, I was like, if I ever write, write a book about my life it's definitely going to be titled a hangry little monster because <laughs> like hanger is something I feel as such a strong emotion like that is very real yeah I didn't know that that was a th like I was like oh I know it's a thing but I didn't think that I had that until sometimes I'd be like why was I why was I acting like that and then you eat and you're like oh, wow, the world is like rainbows and butterflies again, all of a sudden. So weird. It's so weird, but so real. Like, I don't know how people don't, like, I don't know how people don't get hangry. Like, 
it's like known amongst like especially my friends back home like whenever we go somewhere they'll like make sure that they have snacks for me because I'll just like start to shut down (laughs) if like I don't eat at regular intervals like I'll just go quiet and like angry and I'll just like I just like crash a little bit it's like your alter ego like it needs another name yeah Oh yeah, that'd be, um, we're gonna have to come up with a name for it. That's that's good. <laughs> it's a good one to think about. I'll have to ponder on that. But but anyways, so yeah, you know we're we're getting close to the summer. But um, as we get close, I think it's pretty cool to like think back on like how far we've come. So like, how did you first get into rugby? Um, it was my freshman year of college at the University of Michigan. Go blue. I have to put that in there. I knew you were going to. I literally (laughs) wrote it in my notes. I was like, she's going to say go blue. Um, But it was my cousins had played um, in high school and I I played soccer, but they were always Mm -hmm. like, oh, you should try. You should come try play and try and play rugby. And I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Like I do that. And then but like that just time and energy never really worked out to you know go over to their school and try to play for their team um and then uh, on par with like the name of the podcast like my cousin and I would go visit our her brother who was in college playing for University of Michigan at the time and so we would watch their games and then like we would go to their socials afterwards Mm -hmm. And everybody's just crazy. And so when I got to college, I was like, yeah, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to give it a real shot. Um, and that's when I showed up to my first practice. And, you know, the rest is rust and stardust. The rest is stardust. I've never heard that before. I've never heard that either, but I like it. I like, like it. Oh, yes, no, I like it. I've just never okay. heard it before. I thought that was so it was so the first so it was like more the culture that brought you to rugby more so than like uh you know the idea of getting to tackle people oh it was a hundred percent the idea of getting to tackle people like, <laughs> there it is <laughs> yeah in um in soccer like you you know I know you know Krishu when everybody just gets mad at you because you're just doing too much with your body yeah. you know you're you you're too you're not enough finesse and too much like physical mm-hmm. um <laughs> so then they were like, <laughs> you should try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so then they're like, you'd be, you should do this. Um, and I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty great. And then it was really the the people, though, honestly, made it made it everything that it was. Like, yeah, you love playing the game, but the people at that time, especially, were just everything to me. Yeah, I, so this is a funny story, but so back when I was playing soccer in college, um, you just reminded me of this, but uh, we had this one day where our coach was, like, trying to get us to be more aggressive. We had, like, just lost to our rival college, and so – or we had tied them. We didn't lose, but she was like, our team needs to be more physical. Like, we need to work on this. So we had this one practice where we were, like, in a small square and we were doing, like, 1v1s, but it was 1v1, no rules. And so it was, like, instead of, like, not being able to, like, push each other and stuff, it was, like, you could, like, throw each other around. Like, you're trying to play 1v1, but, like, she was, like, encouraging us to be physical. And every – and, like, the second I started playing rugby, every single one of my college soccer teammates, like, went back to that moment. And they were, like, this is the least surprising thing I've ever heard. Like, it makes so much sense. Like, 
they all hated playing 1v1, no rules against me. <laughs> and so they are always like, yeah, you know, the physicality makes a lot of sense. What did you do? Like, did you, were you, were you still trying to be like mostly soccer-esque or were you like, no, I, you went and tackled something? No, I didn't, ta- like, I didn't like rugby tackle anyone. It was just like, we were still playing, trying to play 1v1, but you know, I would just like kind of like, I would like kind of throw them a little bit or like mm-hmm. just kind of like throw them out of the way. Like, I just was like very willing to like put my whole body on the line to win the 1v1, which I think is like not always like in soccer it's not really like that so yeah um yeah. they always go back to that and they're like yep checks out you yeah. tackle people for a living now yep checks out <laughs> it's you can like spot rugby players from a distance I feel like you know like if you're watching a soccer game you're like they should be playing rugby now but as but all my friends too are like yeah no no surprises here so yeah yeah But I think that's, like, a really telling part, too, is, like, if you come to rugby and you're not afraid to tackle, I think that that's, like, a pretty good sign that, like, you're going to be pretty good at it. Because I think for a lot of people, like, that's the most, like, daunting or overwhelming part when you first start playing rugby is the tackle element. Like, you know, people want to be part of the community and people want to play, but, like, they're scared of the tackling. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, if you're somebody who, like, really embraces the tackling, like, that's a really good sign that you can go pretty far with it. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And I always remember like when you'd have a rookie come in and they'd be like guns blazing to hit somebody and you're like, you're going to be my little. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, can you, you know, for someone who doesn't play rugby, can you get into rugby and not tackle? I mean, you don't have much of a chance, right? No. You're going to have to tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Because because it's just like you can't play a game, you know, and you're not really going to get the full experience if you don't do it. And I guess you could avoid it, but I don't know if that's really going to work out. And, yeah, and you're I probably feel not like going to get very far. You just miss you just miss like the energy of playing rugby if you don't. If so you there's don't. so then there's like a, a, le- a degree of you either like really big into the tackling or you just oh, I'm gonna ease into it a little bit more. So. Yeah, I'd say so. Like I think, I think also on the field you can definitely tell people who are like don't want to take contact or not or don't want to make a tackle. And so I think like especially like back at the club level like that was something I was very willing to exploit on other people I was like oh you don't want to tackle I'm gonna run right at you so like (laughs) I think it's like one of those things where like there's definitely a range of people but I think the people that like are willing to like you know get down and dirty and do the tackling and like embrace the full contact element are the ones that like are gonna go far with it I think it's like essential yeah just yeah. that little bit of craziness, like yeah, I oh, know yeah. that I said, like that, like you would experience, like at a social or at the party or something. You see it on the field, just in like a little bit different way. Yeah, I always say that, like all of us have like a very specific screw loose to be doing this full time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I always say it's rugby players are crazy, but I swear it is the best type of crazy you will ever interact with. Yes, like, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So would you say, like, when you first started playing rugby, you were, like, hooked? Like, you were, like, 
it's love at first tackle. Like, I love this. This is the sport for me. Or do you think it took you some time to like really fall in love with the sport? Um, I think it was it. Like, I think I knew, I knew early, like I knew in high school, I was like, I, I would like playing it, but it was, I was not at a point to like sever myself from soccer. I think as I was, I was when I went into when I went into college and then I was like, I'm done playing soccer. I don't want to play it anymore really. And then got into it and, and it, yeah, there were no doubts in my mind. Like I was never like, I shouldn't wake up at 4am to drive to Pennsylvania to play a game that we're going to lose in like that. (laughs) I, that never even crossed my mind. I just woke up and I was like, yeah, we're going to do this. That, but that's very you. I feel like you're very like down for like whatever the adventure is. And I feel like with rugby, you're probably like, yeah, like, like I'm into this, like, I'm going to chase this, like, I'm going to have fun with it. I feel like that's very you. Yeah, I, yeah, it's honestly, I feel bad because it's, I feel like I'm losing my memory. Like, I'm like, what was I feeling six years ago? And I'm like, whoa, six years. I don't even know if that's the right number, but I'm like, what was I thinking? I have no idea, but I guess that sounds about right. Yeah, I think that sounds, I think, I I think the timeline checks out there. I mean, I don't know either, but I think it sounds about right. Um, But so you started playing freshman year of college. You play all four years at Michigan. Um, Yeah, well, I, I played three and a half years at Michigan because at the end, that last half is when I moved out and I just finished finish my classes online so I moved out to San Diego where I am now living with Kershey not with Kershey but in the same city as Kershey well yes that was my next question is how long from when you started playing rugby to your like first USA rugby camp and like how did that come about um yeah so I played my first year and I got really lucky because we were you know we're a club team Michigan has a club team we are there because we love rugby, not because we win games. Um, And our men's coach was a scout for USA. So they had just brought him in. He was brand new and he was a scout for the women's side. Um, So he had come and watched some of our games and um, his name is Brandon Sparks. And he essentially took me under his wing and showed me the ropes. He coached me and he brought me to my first ID camp um, the summer after my freshman year. Um, wow. So pretty, pretty quick after. Yeah. That he was like, yeah, that's, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't at, it wasn't, um, a Chula Vista ID camp. It was, um, for sevens and fifteens and it was in Colorado. So it was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, after that, I had gone on a couple collegiate all American tours, maybe like two or two or three, but the first one was the first time that I ever, ended up at Chula Vista and it was right before Rio 2016 I think it was right before their selections yeah and so we came in so that we could play them you know so that they could get some competition Mm -hmm. absolutely smashed (laughs) (laughs) oh I was so scared too like yeah I was gonna say like coming into that environment especially like pre-olympics like that must have been kind of terrifying yeah, I don't think I really understood like what was happening. I'm very blissfully unaware of a lot of things. <laughs> um, Nia was on that team, 
actually oh, that wow. was the first time I had met Mia. She was like 16 or something, but God. still as fast as she, yeah, just as fast as she is now. Um, but yeah, I think I there were like a few times where I just got smashed and everybody would be like, Are you okay? And I was like, What are you talking about? Blissfully <laughs> <laughs> unaware that you just got wrecked by somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, until one time, the next time I came back, I think Nana, I, I started getting to know people and Nana hit me and I peed my pants. And then I, <laughs> I knew, I knew then that I had gotten smashed. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy though. So like you came in while you were in college. Like I came into my first camp like after college, like I was like 23 years old. I was like, I should be considered an, an adult at this point. And I was still like so terrified to be playing against like all these people that I had like heard of. So like, I can't even imagine like when you're what, like 18, 19, like coming in this environment and like playing against some of the best players in the world. Like I would have been terrified. Just- yeah. I mean, you've accelerated so fast, Kershey, Um, But like, it it is just like everybody has it it's like what's happening what's happening Mm -hmm. okay we're doing it (laughs) I think that's very the very real you're like what's going on what's going on okay I'm just I'm just here I'm just doing it it's just whatever it is what's happening (laughs) oh but yeah so that was before Rio so like oh that's you know it's crazy that's a whole I guess five years ago now like pretty similar timeline like five years ago now yeah sounds about right I think what was hard is that I still didn't really know rugby Mm -hmm. at the time you know like you don't understand a lot of the concepts you don't see it the same way as the residents um especially when you're playing in college and the pictures are different the players are different everything is just different yeah it's weird yeah so okay so you Go to that, go to the ID camps. You come out to the camp out here before Rio. And then and is that when you got invited out to be a full-time resident? Or that was the um, end of end of college? It was at the end of college. It was very weird. It was like, <laughs> I don't know. I, it, yeah, it was the end of college um, that they were like, or it was kind of like, I can be, you know, can you be here? And I was like, I can be here at this time. And I had to, you know, rearrange my classes so that I could like essentially graduate early. Mm -hmm. Um, But then like at the time I was graduating, it was kind of like, oh, we don't really have any space. And I was like, but I'm graduating and I don't have a backup plan. Um, And then there were like a couple Falcons tournaments. So I just came for those and then they extended, they, they were like, okay, yeah, you can stay. Um, and it worked out, but for a while it wasn't, it was very unsure what the future was going to hold. And like, was that like a really scary process? Like, like, were you at, like when you thought about it and you were like, no, like I'm going to, I'm going to go try to do this rugby thing. Or like, did you have any doubts about it? Or were you just like all in on this is the opportunity in front of me and I'm going to chase this opportunity? Yeah, I didn't have a backup plan I wasn't I really wasn't I was like I want to do this so you know like my goal at the time was like I just want to make one tour like I just want my first cap I just want a cap and I was like I'm full steam ahead 
this is what I want. Um, yeah. I think that's really special. I mean, like, I know, like, people have asked me because, like, I was working full time when, like, they were like, do you want to come out to California? And, like, people were like, was that a hard decision? And I was like, no, like, it was the easiest decision I've ever made in my life. Like, I always thought, like, leaving Boston and leaving home was going to be a hard decision. But then I'm like, no, like, it was the opportunity to do, like, something that I loved full time. I was like, easiest decision I've ever made. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, like, if it find like, if it just finds you, like, I don't know what it is that it, like, I, I guess maybe if, if you had your doubts, it makes it a lot harder to be in the environment. Because I think if, mm-hmm. you know, if you have doubts about it, I don't know, when it gets hard, it's easier to say, I can just go do something right else, I guess. You kind of have to be all in, in order to, like, survive in this environment like if you're being pulled away by something like you're not gonna thrive in this environment in the same way yeah and I think that's that's how you feel like I don't know it's just like risk taking in life you know it's hard Mm -hmm. to go halfway into a big risk into something like you know something that's going to consume a lot of your life it's hard to be half buy-in you know like if, if we were all of our team and we just half bought into like wanting to succeed as a team, like it just crumble. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah. No. Yeah. Which, so that's very cool. So you've, so you've been out here for like, what, four years now, full time? Three, 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 three. Yeah. Three now. And so yeah. this whole time has been like a build up to, this summer, you know, and then last year it got postponed and like that was pretty gut wrenching for all of us. So like, how did you deal with that postponement? Um, there were just, you know, so many things happening that was like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. And I, you know, at the time I wasn't even sure if it was the right, like I was like, I know that we first heard that Canada was calling you saying like the Olympics should be postponed. And I was like, should they like, is that really what everybody is that what's best? Like, I think I hadn't grasped what had been happening fully. Um, but, uh, 2019 was kind of a harder year for me. I didn't, I didn't tour very much. Like there were only a couple Falcons tours, so I didn't get that many opportunities to play. Um, so it was, it was both like, you know, looking into the future, is it going to be another year of not ever, you know, getting the chance to play really? Or is it going to be, you know, is it also another year to have the opportunity to get better and, you know, come back and really fight for a spot? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was kind of going both ways in my head. But, you know, honestly, there's nothing we could have done about it, you yeah. know, and we did everything we could leading up to it it was just like it's not gone it's just postponed and that's right I think that was a that was a big like shift for me too yeah it was like it was like okay like my dreams uh I think uh somebody posted something and it was like my dreams are not canceled they're just postponed and I think that Mm -hmm. like mentally helped me a little bit too it was just like okay like it's just another year like another year to get better is like really the mentality that I had to like sit with in order to like keep mm-hmm. motivating myself to train over the summer. Like, because it was a tough time, you know, for a little while there, it was like, it was, 
we were just so unsure of everything that was going to happen that I think mentally that was really hard. But like those little things are like kind of what I held on to. Yeah. And, and we definitely had come off like a, you know, the part, the season that we had, we were have or the, the trajectory that it was going in was probably also good for us to just like reconvene and try to think about, you know, what, how, how can we be better? How can we do, you know, be better together? Mm-hmm. Um, so just everything that ever happens, there's a, you know, a good side and a bad side and it's picking the one. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think also like you've done some really productive things, I think in this last year. And I think like, do you think that like having the postponement and like having the opportunity to kind of focus on other things, like, like the environment and creating green initiatives for us, do you think like that has been like a great, like, I mean, obviously it's been a great outcome, but do you think that that was something that the postponement gave you or was that something you were working towards before? Um, it, yeah, no, that was probably my, my favorite thing about quarantine was that like, I felt like I had the energy and I had a little bit more time to like organize my thoughts about what I want to do and how I want to do it and finding ways to do it. And, um, that, yeah, that's exactly what happened. I had been working on the environment separately over like before, you know, before the pandemic happened, it was kind of just a thing I was doing on the side, but then I was inter- like, we had time and it was mm-hmm. Earth Day. Earth Day was right there. And that's right, which I, I actually, I read online is your favorite holiday. <laughs> it is. I mean, yes. why not? It's a yes. great <laughs> holiday. It just happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy. Like, I don't love social media. It's not my thing. But I was like on it. And I was like, look at all these people celebrating the Earth. Like, this is so cute. And mm-hmm. I love it. And it just gave me so much happiness um but yeah there was earth day and so we just put together like a little video about you know different ways you can reduce your uh, carbon footprint um and that introduced me to eco athletes which is a bunch of professional athletes that you know want to bring the climate conversation to sport um and that organization has like changed my perspective on like what I can do professionally mm-hmm. and just like develop a career for you know the time when your body just is like we're we're good we don't need to (laughs) we're good with the tackling we're we're done with that yeah yeah Yeah. so what is eco athletes exactly like like are just any athletes can join that and they're just like out in the name of protecting the environment um it's specifically for professional athletes so but it's global so we have like um Australian professional netballers or or like New Zealand race walkers or judo from Portugal or like surfers and and swimmers and volleyball players in the AVP um, MLB players NFL like oh wow yeah you they're trying to get the big names they're trying to find you know Megan Rapinoe Mm -hmm. of climate and um, just give us the confidence and the tools we need to talk about it and kind of bring it into sport and like utilize your platforms in a way to get people to pay attention to like what's happening with the climate yes yeah because sport you know is very cultural and 
And as we've seen in the past year, it's it's more important for people with platforms or businesses to take stances on, you know, things that they believe in. And so it's a perfect time to, you know, start bringing that to different athletes around the world. I'm just having a look at their Instagram right now, which is at Eco Athletes Team. And it's really, really inspiring to see so many recognizable athletes on there and are using their platform and are part of this to really speak out about what they are specifically um, very passionate about, whether it's climate change or, you know, even ecotourism um, and just seeing a lot of these athletes. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Um, it's pretty cool to see. Thanks for sharing that. That's really yeah. cool. We'll tag it as well in the episode um, and, and share it as well. Awesome. I mean, Pony just joined too. So Christine Summer, she mm-hmm. plays for the 15s team. She has, um, I think she's played, she might be captain sevens as well, I think. And she she just joined because she's really big about the environment. So, And there's some other rugby players, French. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so have you always been passionate about the environment or is that something that came about like when you were in college or is this like a, since you were a little kid, just Um, loved it? Yeah, it was, I mean, my mom's from the Philippines and she was very like, there's a use for everything. Don't throw anything away. And so we would just like, like take this and use it over here. And then my dad, um, was just like an explorer and he would take me out in the woods and we'd go mushroom hunting and like pick up trash. Um, so like, I loved the environment, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, I didn't, you know, climate change and sustainability wasn't really, weren't things that I was very aware of until college. And I I don't think, well, I mean, to be fair, I don't think they were really super talked about, you know, like when we were growing up, I don't know that they were a big conversation that was being had in the world, you know? So I like, I feel like until like we started to get to college, I feel like that's when it like started to become a thing that people talked about and like people were recognizing it as an issue. Yeah. It's, it's hard because sometimes you're like, how new is this topic? Mm -hmm. But then I think about, you know, everybody who was labeled a hippie or a tree hugger back in that time period, I'm like, they, I don't know if exactly they were saying what Al Gore was saying, which is Mm -hmm. the climate is changing, or if they were just like, we need to be in harmony with our environment a little bit more. I don't don't know exactly which, you know, which they were going for, but um, it wasn't, it's not, it wasn't exactly part of our schooling growing up. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it wasn't until college where there's like, a public health course on the environment and I was like whoa okay and that was that was my turning point yeah and now you're out here getting us to exercise to plant trees we planted 5,000 trees together yes we oh, did amazing I so love good. that um I saw that campaign and it, it's really awesome to see that you're all working toward that but for those that are listening and just other athletes or folks that are just fans what are some simple, you know, sustainability or recycling or tips that maybe, you know, seem very simple to do or overlooked maybe that you could offer as tips? Oh, great question. There's so many things. Sometimes I get overwhelmed, um, but I always definitely like to lead with education. Um, so, you know, just look it up try to learn more about what's happening. Um, 
and like even if you're just asking questions if you're talking about it so that you just get a lot of people talking about it asking questions learning um being climate curious is always the first step in you know mm -hmm. creating action um but at least for the sports world it's good to say like you know get a reusable water bottle um so that we're using less plastic just refill your water um for us i like to say like we get so much kit is there you know any way that we can give our kit back repurpose our kit like find a second home for it after we're done with it whether it be our clothes whether it be the balls the tackle pads like is there somewhere else it can go instead of just to the waste bin um and then like you can or for sports teams in a team environment like if you can look into carpooling like you have neighbors that are on the same team as you same school as you that you're going to you know practice with can you carpool with them um, those are just some easy ways for like you know athletes specifically to get involved with reducing their carbon footprint love that thank you um, I think there's a lot that we can put into practice and even just small changes can make a, a huge difference and um, I noticed a quote on your Instagram the greatest threat to our planet is the belief that someone else will save it and I think that is so beautiful because a lot of people think oh you know what I'm not going to make a difference if I use a plastic water bottle or if I don't change my way someone else will do it and if everyone thought that way then we're in big trouble yeah we talk about accountability all the time like this just this morning we had a team meeting and it was focused on accountability and it's just knowing that you play a role in every you know in everything that happens there's something that you can be responsible for in your own actions yeah, and I think, like, you definitely inspire all of us to be better about that, too. Like, even, you know, like, the way we eat at the center, it's like, we, we're especially now, because everything is, like, single use, pretty much. But, like, you encourage us all to find ways to multi-use, like, um, you know, utensils and water bottles and straws and, like, plastic bags. Like, every time we go to get lunch, we don't need to have a plastic bag. We can reuse the same plastic bag over and over again. And, like... To be honest, that would that's something that like I would honestly probably not think about on a day to day basis if like if I wasn't seeing you every day and like constantly reminded of like the environment and how much even like the littlest change can have an impact. And so I really appreciate that about you. I think it's very good for all of us. Oh, thank you, Krishi. I'm I appreciate that you think about it. Of course, it's impossible not to. I can't be like sitting there eating lunch next to you and not think <laughs> about like the the use of all the things in front of me you know It'd like, be like an undercover cop like no hat no badge but like just existing and people can't use their no but like i mean it in the best way like i think it makes us more conscious and i think you know even with like the initiative with all the trees like you know that was a very easy thing for all of us to do and like we made the world a little bit better by doing it and i just think like the fact that you're taking that initiative and like using that platform and like helping all of us use our platform to help the environment, I think is really special. And I, I really admire that about you. Yeah. And I love that everybody like wants to use their platform for good. Like that's something that we talk about as a team. Like we want to use, we want to talk about important things. We want to give back to our community. So it's, it just worked out perfectly that, you know, that's a value that our team has and we're finding ways to do it. So Thanks. Okay, well, 
I think we're almost about ready to wrap up, but I do have some repeat questions for you um, that we're going to ask every guest. So are you ready for them? I am ready. Okay. So the first question is, who is one athlete in another sport that you'd love to compete against and see how you measure up? This one that was hard for me because I don't, I don't follow that. I don't really follow that many. Um, but the one that like really is in my head and I'm like, this is fatal. Um, is Manny Pacquiao. Like, I don't know if I actually want to fight him, but it would be so cool. Like just a little, like he doesn't actually have to fully punch me, but we can just like spar a little bit and he can just like, when he gets close to my face, like stop his fist. Um, <laughs> Putting a lot of trust into, <laughs> into that. But um, I did grow up watching him, like our whole family, all the, you know, all my aunts and uncles would get together. We'd watch a Pacquiao fight and I've always wanted to watch him. So it'd be cool to try. <laughs> I think that you could – I do think that you are one of the scrappiest people I know, so I do think that you'd find a way to hold your own for a little <laughs> while at least. That's what I always wonder. Boxer versus wrestler, like who's mm. going to win, you know? Like because best, best boxer, best wrestler. I don't mm-hmm. know. Can't be sure. Well, isn't that kind of what like MMA is? Isn't it just kind of the combo of the two? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But then I'm like, if a boxer doesn't know how to wrestle and the wrestler doesn't know how to box, you know, one's going to be stronger on the ground, one's going to be stronger yeah. standing up. But like, who would actually win if if they were strictly? I don't know. It's a good debate yeah. question. Yeah, it's a good debate question. I think we're going to get some heat from, from that about. Yeah, I think <laughs> we're going to have to find out because. <laughs> but we need to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'd like for you not to get into UFC fighting, please. (laughs) Oh, well, no. No, no, no. Yeah, that one's a bit too far. We're like, rugby's fine. UFC, maybe too far. It's like, yeah. (laughs) I don't have that screw loose. I have the screw loose that will, like, let me play rugby for a living, but I don't have the screw loose that will (laughs) let me get punched in the face for a living, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my mom like freaks out even if I get like a little thing like a little knuckle she's just like oh my gosh but, no like wait wait what is a little knuckle are you pointing to your little finger here and you like a little knuckle what does this mean oh I don't know like like, like jammed gets, or yeah it gets jammed or like you get it caught in somebody's shirt and then it just twists and then it's just like bruised and swollen oh okay just typical yeah. stuff, Tammy, you know, just typical rugby stuff, you know. Yeah. That's nothing. That's a, that's a Send damn, over a photo. We got, we got a ten of them. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> One of them is fine, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, our final repeat question, which this one is for all the marbles. Ready? Okay. What do you love most about rugby? Aww. Oh no. Oh. It has to be like it just has to be the contact element like that I think that's it's you know when you do it almost every day it's harder to remember that that's your favorite part mm-hmm. but like just to be a full contact sport to be a full contact women's sport mm-hmm. is what I mean actually is my favorite part about rugby is just to see women 
doing doing that being powerful being strong like being aggressive and not caring at all and it being celebrated really yes exactly that's the best part that's why it's so special and that's why I think like it should take off I agree I mean we all want rugby to take off but I do think I think that that's a really good answer because I do think that's a really unique thing to rugby especially women's rugby in America is that opportunity and like what it allows us to do with our bodies I think is incredibly special and powerful for people to learn about themselves and appreciate those aspects of your own womanhood like it's okay to be aggressive it's okay to be strong it's you know, all of those things are, yeah, celebrated, like you said. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was a very good answer to end on. So thank you so much for joining us today, Elena. Um, I had a lot of fun getting to talk to you and learned so much about the environment, which is very <laughs> much appreciated. And yeah, that about does it for our show. So thank you all for joining us this week. Um, We are signing off from Blood, Sweat, and Beers. Beers.